Hello and welcome back to the Man Catholic Podcast. This is Steve Priest. I'm Thomas Wirtz. And I'm Brock Martin. Today we're talking about how to dad. This time. We're excited to have a special guest with us, Dominic Pellucci, the area director for the South Area for Focus. Thanks for joining us, Dom. Great to be with you all. Before we jump into the topic for today, we've got a great story from Brock. Really excited to dive into how to dad today. And you you can't dump, jump into this topic without giving some honor to St. Joseph and his story. He's, he's the best earthly father that has ever existed. But want to share a story uh, that I heard when I was in college. And this came from a professor of mine, a group of us guys who were kind of being mentored by this professor. He, he was talking about fatherhood one time, and he shared with us that his dad was not the most available man. This is probably an experience that is very familiar to many of us, uh, that, that his dad wasn't very affirming, wasn't wasn't super involved in his life, You know, worked hard, came home, wasn't very emotionally available. But when my professor was in college, he had a realization, and that's when he learned about the life of his grandfather. And his grandfather had been a raging alcoholic, very physically abusive, and, and actually a harmful father. And for my professor, this experience was really powerful because he was able to see that his dad while not the best dad, had moved the needle substantially, that his dad could have followed in his father's footsteps and been a harmful father. And this experience for my professor was really powerful because he was able to say, wow, I'm able to see how my father was able to take what he inherited and make it better, even though he wasn't perfect. And that gave him a mission of, all right, well, now that I'm a dad, I want to move the needle also. I want to take the good things that I learned about being a dad from my dad and implement those and make them better. And I also want to take the things that my father didn't do super well, and I want to make those better for my kids. And I think as we dive into to how to dad, you know, we want to spend a little bit of time talking about our relationship with our fathers. Uh, but then as we get into what we're doing with our kids or our future kids or our spiritual kids, if you're called to the priesthood, we are going to fail. We are going to hurt our children. So how do we how do we avoid those and make those better? But then when we do, how do we apologize and reconcile well? I love that, Brock, because I think we often father how we were fathered, mm. simply. You yep. know, whether we want to or not, we, we start, I don't know if you guys have ever seen this, when you're talking to your kids, maybe yelling at your kids like I sound like my dad like crap because we don't want to do the negative things they did but I love how you put in perspective with that story that it's okay to look at our dad or grandpa or whoever it was and to to reflect on the experience they had Mm -hmm. you know and, and to come with compassion Don we were talking about that it's so important it can be healing yeah yeah totally I was I did uh spiritual exercises retreat back in December. And I think a lot of times we've we've maybe heard or experienced like you should go back and pray through some of those wounds or those hardships in your life and bring Jesus into that and see where he was. And, and where the Lord took me in that reflection was back to that same type of thing with what my dad experienced as a kid, kind of like you're saying, Brock, and, and what even my grandfather received from my great-grandfather. And part of that just just opened up a whole new world. I think one of the things, whether it was my dad or me, we never really entered in affectionately talking about what was really going on internally. Mm, mm-hmm. My dad was great at modeling. How do you fix a car? How, like one of the greatest gifts my dad has given me is that I can go and fix just about anything. I don't have to know how to do it, but I know I can figure it out. And that's yep. awesome. And my dad received that from his dad, but there wasn't that emotional, intimate connection necessarily. And going back into that with Jesus and just saying like, yeah, I've seen how 
my dad leveled that up for my grandfather, how maybe my grandfather leveled that up for my great-grandfather. And the other piece that I've just been blessed by is I've seen them continue to grow. I think I've received more intimacy in a way, might be the right word, from my grandfather than maybe my dad even Mm -hmm. did. And to see the way that my grandfather's grown and my dad, my dad's a better dad today than he was when I was a kid. And if I can take that and level it up, like you're saying, Brock, kind of move the needle, I think it's incredible. It's super interesting. My dad lost his biological father um, just after World War II. He was a fighter pilot in the military. They were stationed over in Germany as plane went down. In a training exercise, my dad was one and a half. So he never grew up knowing his biological father at all. His mom remarried and that gentleman was not as gentlemanly uh, as he could have been in life and certainly wasn't a good dad, wasn't really present. And so, uh, Dominic, hearing your story and your relationship with your dad, mine is very similar, yet they have very different experiences with dads. And so it's interesting to see how it, it can absolutely be passed down, but it can also be learned behavior, where my dad taught me how to fix just about anything as well. And that was a lot of our relationship was doing things. And and we didn't ever really sit down and, and ask each other the question, hey, how are you? <laughs> we, it was just, hey, what do you want to fix today? Which is awesome time, and it's great, and a lot of dads need to do more of that. But there's this element, which I think you bring up, which I think is critical, and I, I hope we're going to get into it today, is that relational aspect with our fathers, that they desire to know who we are, or they, they should, and we as dads should look to our children and actually desire to know who they are. Mm. I mean, I, the point is so spectacular, the moving the needle, leveling it up, this idea that our dads had a different experience. Again, I'm, I'm repeating kind of what some of you guys have talked about. Can we learn from that and actually improve upon that and recognize that all of us are going to be imperfect as a father? Our dads had imperfections, their dad had imperfections, so on and so on. Can we do our best to lessen? lower, decrease the imperfections, this idea of level it up, just Mm -hmm. try to be a better dad than, than our dad was. And that's not to knock our dads. That's not to ridicule them and criticize them. Maybe some of them need some criticism, but it's to look with compassion on their experience and to be grateful that we can reflect that we have enough virtue and character to actually be able to stop and grace in our life to stop and reflect on, on something like that. And to look with mercy on our father and his experience and say, I'm going to try to be that much better. Yeah, I'm super passionate about this topic, Thomas, because I believe that so many issues that we're facing in the world today are because of a lack of dads. Amen. Not because they don't exist, but because they're not fulfilling the role that they've walked into. And I think even the the world around us is recognizing the need for dads, but no one really knows how to approach this. And the culture is certainly not taking a spiritual perspective to it they're taking a practical one which is which is still good but i think we have so much more to offer in the catholic faith so let me read off some stats that and this is from a government website that they have recognized the reality of a lack of fathers lack of dads so children children who grow up without dads are more likely to go to prison are two times more likely to drop out of high school are more likely to have behavioral problems four times greater risk of poverty, seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teenager, two times greater risk of infant mortality, more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol, two times more likely to suffer obesity, more likely to face abuse and neglect, and more likely to commit crime. And this is um, daughters and sons, right? Yeah, this is children in general. Yeah. So this is the lack of dads has that impact. Now, from a spiritual sense, so 
These are some interesting stats, and I'll try to go slowly because they're a little confusing at first. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to share the situation of the mom going to church and the situation of the dad, whether that's regular or irregular, and then the impact that it has on the kids, okay? So if the mom lives her faith regularly and the dad lives faith regularly, there is a 33% chance that the kids will also grow up with a faith. 41% chance that they'll be irregular, 25% chance not at all. If the mom is regularly and the dad attends irregularly, there's a 3% chance. So do you see that drop by 30% just if the dad goes from being a regular mass goer to to irregular? 30% drop on the dad's activity alone. 59% uh, will be somewhat active and then 38% not at all. So both of those second numbers go way up just by the dad, again, changing from regular to irregular. Irregular, And then if the mom lives her faith regularly and the dad lives not at all, there's a 2% chance that the kids will grow up to practice their faith, 37% irregularly, 60% not at all. So, so much of whether or not the kids grow up to live out their faith depends on what the dad does in his faith. No pressure, guys. So it's just this, uh, I think it's a gut check for us as fathers, we're all fathers here, and we're talking to either dads or future dads or priests or religious, which I think there's a certain real fatherhood over the congregation Mm -hmm. there, Um, the reality of the situation that that we have in front of us. So those numbers are pretty bleak, uh, pretty discouraging, as you mentioned. I, on the flip side, though, I actually think that gives us guys who are trying a lot of hope. Because those statistics, what they tell me is, man, if you've got a guy who is who just tries to show up and be there, yep. even if it's like a catastrophic failure, he's going to have a massive impact yep. in the spirituality of his kids. Even if he's doing a bad job, yeah. just showing up. So yeah, this me, isn't about me, being perfect. This is about showing up. Right. This gives me a ton of hope that not only can we show up and have a great impact, but then if we start working on some of these things to actually make it a good experience and to do this well... We could, have, we could have a much even greater impact on, on the spiritual lives of our kids. So I think this actually gives me a lot of hope. We have great reason to hope. God God loves us. <laughs> There's a ton of hope there. I think the other thing that that tying some of this together from the piece of like, okay, what was the experience my dad went through? What did my grandfather go through? Maybe having some compassion from that. The reality is even if we show up, even when we know this stuff, none of us are going to be perfect. Brock, mm-hmm. you mentioned St. Joseph, and that's, that's so true. He's the best father there ever was. There's aspects that even he wasn't perfect. Mm-hmm. And for us to realize like, that that's where God the Father comes in. He is perfection. And that's the aspect that that we will all have fathers that are inadequate. There are aspects of inadequacy and we will be inadequate will. fathers. Mm-hmm. And that aspect too, just to to know that we need to rely on the Lord. And even if we get it wrong most of the time, but we try and we get up again, that's all it takes. Mm-hmm. God can make up, his mercy can make up for all that. Amen. And that's, I mean, such a great consolation to know that God our Father, if we can point our children there, Gosh, guys, well done, right? And try our best to reflect. And there's a, there's a few things I think we wanted to talk about on, okay, when, when we step into fatherhood, as we step into fatherhood, some things to think about. Those of you guys that are dads already, maybe this inspires you to level up. Those of you that are going to be dads soon, something to put in your mind and, and to remember and re-listen to this when you find out you're pregnant with your first. But one thing I just want to mention is the idea of just being present that was mentioned, I think, a little bit here. As, as dads, we come home from work or whatever we're doing, probably work. Hopefully we have a job. And there's a lot on our plate. There's a lot on our shoulders, a lot in our mind. And there's a temptation for a lot of us out there to go and sit in front of the TV or just to kind of veg out. 
And it's so important for us to get on the floor with young kids, if we have young kids, and just be present. Put the phone away, turn the TV off, be with them. Right? If we're reading them a book, if we're wrestling with them, sometimes even just being in the same room with them, being attentive to them and listening is so important, so powerful. Phones away, TV's off, we're just there. Be present with our kids at all ages, at all stages, as much as we can. It doesn't have to be hours and hours and hours every day. Even a 15 or 20 minute, just it's just me and my kids is going to be a great blessing in their life. So I love sports and I know most of us here uh, really enjoy sports. And it was actually Curtis uh, Brockstad that taught me this, uh, this kind of way to think about doing what you just talked about, Thomas, when you get home. So in sports, most games are won in the fourth quarter, right? Mm-hmm. Or the third period, if you're watching hockey. <laughs> but they're won at the end, right? It, the, the majority of the game is leading up to this like climactic yeah, ending yeah, yeah. of the game. And that's typically when the big plays happen. That's when games are won. And what Curtis to- told me years ago was when you get home, the game isn't over. You're just entering the fourth quarter. That's the fourth quarter is when you get home from work. And so the way you approach those few hours after work, before bed, that's when games are won. And so that's when yeah. you need to show up and not think it's time to relax, but it's time to, to even level up, turn things up a, a notch and, and really get quality time with your kids and yeah. with your spouse. The most important thing in your day is starting now. Yep. The, uh, one of the pieces as you're talking there, Thomas, this is kind of a bit of a personal reflection, but, and it might sound funny for those of you guys that aren't dads yet, but there have been aspects. I have six kids now. There have been like pl- one brand new, right? <laughs> one brand new. Yeah. He's six weeks old. Seven All weeks today. Biological weeks too. Today. Yeah. My oldest is eight. You're almost halfway done. Usually when people make comments (laughs) in a grocery store, I'm like, yeah, we're Catholic and we're trying to take over the world. They don't know how to respond to that. Here's a crucifix. (laughs) Start doing that and see what they do. (laughs) The the aspect, though, that, that has just been really real for me is that there are a lot of days that I don't desire to, you mentioned, get down on the ground and play with my Mm -hmm. kids. There's so much going on at home, whether it's I need to do the dishes or I need to mow the lawn or I've got to go work on something on the car or whatever it is. There's always things that need to be done around the house. And I, I found myself, this is funny to say, but I found myself desiring to go mow the lawn more than play with my kids. Mm -hmm. And, and there's an aspect like I've been wrestling with this for a number of Mm -hmm. years and just to take five, 10, 15 minutes and get down. I've made this kind of part of my daily examine. Like, have I spent time playing with my kids today and just that moment of being present there talking to them and it's it's like yeah there's always going to be stuff that needs to be done but can i take five ten minutes that means the world to them Mm -hmm. if they know that every day their dad connected with them and then they saw him go do some hard things Mm -hmm. and even brought them into that it's been and the funny thing was is i had two weeks of paternity leave with this sixth kid. So I was on paternity leave with our, our newest son and had two weeks there. And he, it was just a great time with my kids. And it was one of the times where I really recognized how much I actually started to desire spending time with them and playing with them. So that was just a lot of fun to kind of see how that desire, when I've started to go and actually practice it, I've started to go and that desire's changed. I love, I love the intentionality of getting time with them on the ground. I think one thing I would add to this is how we affirm and build them up with our words. Obviously, there's going to be times when we when we lose our temper, lose our cool, or, or drop the ball there, uh, and when we want to apologize for those situations. But I really want to focus on how we affirm them. I, I think, too, guys, it's very possible for us to step into this and start affirming our kids and actually do it in the wrong way. We, we can start affirming the things that they are doing as opposed to their virtue. Or their results, right? Right, right. and mm-hmm. that that actually, well, that I'm sure will come up as we as we keep talking about mm-hmm. the wounds that we incur because that 
inverts our identity. We start thinking that our value comes from somewhere else. Yep. So as we step into this, to affirm our children and to affirm their virtue, to affirm uh, the the goodness of them, not just the results or their talent. Uh, just a quick anecdote. I, one of my daughters, my oldest, Zelly, won an art contest at her school just a, just a couple weeks ago. And it would have been very easy for, for my wife, Alicia, and I to say, oh, Zelly, you're such a good artist. But instead of saying, hey, we're, we're affirming her talent there, we wanted to say, Zelly, I'm so proud of how hard you worked on this, how you took the time, the attention to detail, how you you put aside distractions, how you actually focused on this and you made something beautiful. And that is so praiseworthy. That's a much different affirmation than, hey, you're a great artist. Because guess what? When she gets second place at the next art contest or last place in yeah. the one a year from now, she's going to think, oh my goodness, the affirmation I got from my parents yeah. was because I was doing these things. Mm-hmm. And so in our affirmation, again, we want to, we want to reinforce the, the reality that who we are is more important than what we do. Amen. And when we affirm our kids, we need to affirm them in a way that we are affirming who they are and not what yep. they do. Yep. Yes, absolutely, Brock. And just not necessarily a self-promotion here, but go back and listen to the, the episode on being a son of God because we, yeah. we did get into some of this stuff. And I think it's just it's a rich topic, this self-worth, because how we affirm our children does impact the way they see themselves. And so Mm -hmm. thank you for stressing that point, Brock. And I think at the same time that we want to affirm our children, we also want to call them higher. Mm -hmm. We also want to discipline them. We want to challenge them. As the father figure, that's a unique particular role that we have. And it's it can be very difficult depending on, on your temperament and who you are. I remember at one point in time, my oldest daughter, she's nine, she she did something and it was the last straw. I'm like, your Easter candy's all going in the trash. And I had her after dinner go get the candy and throw it in the trash. And she started crying because, I mean, who doesn't love candy, especially my children? And she's gone. And later on, I had to pull her aside. And I'm like, look, sweetheart, I don't enjoy disciplining you. I don't enjoy doing these things. But I have to because I want you to learn how to grow up. I want you to be an adult and how to thrive. And if you don't learn that now, then losing candy is going to be nothing when you're an adult and you and you have a consequence that's prison, that's a loss of job. You know, obviously they're not always that extreme, but you guys get the point, right? And so having to help her and challenge her and call her higher. And that's something that we have to do as fathers as we affirm, but also at the same time, call them higher, challenge them and mm-hmm. teach them how to be an adult. Yep. When we're talking about affirming our kids, one of the things I've really over the years tried to do with my son is freeze time, look him in the eyes, either hold Mm. his head or hold his shoulders and say, Colby, I love you and I am proud of who you are. Just randomly. Sure. Yeah. Just or or randomly or in the times when he's down or in the times when he's up. I love it. Even when he succeeds, I will say, Brock, as you were saying, it is not because you won this game that I love you and that I'm proud of you. I'm proud of your virtue. I'm proud of your character. I'm proud of your pursuit to know Jesus. Really affirming the things that are actually important, who he is, who God has created him to be. And taking that time as a dad to look him in the eye and say, I love you. It's funny. My wife will actually make fun of me a lot because Colby mimics everything I do. It's me and mini me is what Allie says. And so I just have to be super cautious about what I do and how I live my life because he's watching. And that one little moment of saying, Colby, I love you. I'm proud of you changes everything where if Allie says, not that it's not important that Allie says that to him, but if she says it, it just doesn't hold the same weight as as son to, to father. So the last uh, bit of some practical advice here is to let them let them see you live life well, specifically with 
your wife, your spouse. And this means loving her well, affectionate touch, affectionate hugs and, and kisses. You know, a lot of kids will be like, oh, gross, um, which is fine. That's innocent. But at the same time, like I'd rather them see me kiss my wife than the media teach like them mouth open how to do that. Um, Would we... That was awkward, Thomas. Um, we also want them to see us fight and forgive is what I call it. So yep. to fight well. Um, with respect, treating each other with dignity, and then to come back and actually see us apologize and forgive each other. That's an important thing that we do in our house is when someone says, I'm sorry, we don't say it's okay. We say, I forgive you because we want to model the father's forgiveness. And that's what he's doing. He's not saying it's okay because it's actually not okay. Our bad behavior is not okay, but it needs to be forgiven. It needs to be mended and healed. So to fight and forgive well. And the last one, Dominic, you mentioned this a lot, is to work hard, to allow them to see us work hard. And Thomas, you mentioned this coming home from work. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't just sit around and veg. Uh, we need to be active. And if we do go cut the lawn, let's bring them out there with us. Let's plug them into what we're doing so that they can actually learn with us. And let's do what our dads did to us. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's even those things. It is practicing the virtue of patience a lot of the time, <laughs> but I can think of going and painting my shed recently. And of course, all the kids want to be part of that as well. But what do I need to do before I paint the shed? If they're going to be part of it, they all need to go change their clothes. And it's five of them. And some of them can't change their clothes. And then I've got to get the right paintbrushes and figure out how do I and have one at a time. An hour later. An hour later, I finally get to the, through all of them painting. And I'm like, I've got 30 minutes now. I don't have time to finish it. But, th but it's like, that is so much more meaningful. Yep. Then being like, no kids, get out of here. I don't have the time. I need to be I need productive. To do this. Yeah. yeah I need no, to can I share a story on that too? And the I was ripping out a vanity in our downstairs bathroom a couple nights ago, and my four year old is still up because he naps, so he's awake still, and he's down there with a hammer, a little hammer, <laughs> just like right next to me in my pants, basically the whole time, having the time of his life. And I'm trying, like, it, it, it was a moment of grace where I was, I was just so excited. He was like, yeah, baby, every time he moved a little piece of wood or something. <laughs> but he's in the way, really, practically speaking. He slowed it down. But Priceless. that was just an amazing experience. Yeah, and sometimes, thank yeah. you, the patience, Dom. It's the, spectacular. I mean, it's, it, and it's funny because yesterday I was moving a bunch of manure from a, my truck into the garden. And the three kids, Minnie, Giorgio, and Jack, were there in the truck on the mountain covered in manure. And they all want to help. And they're... <laughs> digging the manure they're kind of fighting with the shovels and minnie takes a shovel and just covers me it's in my ears it's in my teeth it's in my eyes and i'm like minnie stop i gotta get this done and she's like scared and yeah. kelly comes my wife and takes the kids away and that night kelly and I, at the end of every night we talk about what were our highs from the day and i was reflecting on that and like even though i didn't respond well the fact that Minnie was right there with me, that was actually my high. Hmm. I'm kind of sad that I didn't respond well mm -hmm. and I wasn't patient in that moment, but there's still an aspect of like, I love that she was right there with me. But that gives us that chance to go back and apologize. And I think like those lessons, you had mentioned this to your apologizing your wife, but when I've had to go back to my child and say, I'm sorry that I did that. Do you forgive yep. me? Yeah. Like talk about leveling it up. Like that's Super just, powerful. yeah, I'll try to do that. Maybe tonight. you should do that, Don. That's yes. what I meant to say. What I love about these stories is it just shows our imperfections, the four of us here today, you know, and there is no expectation that anyone listening is or will be perfect. None of us will be like St. Joseph. We all have opportunities for growth, even as recent as yesterday with manure in our teeth, <laughs> yelling at our kids. We all have the opportunity to learn and to grow and to become holy, to become saints that the Lord's leading us to be. Amen. I would add one one other point about 
what our kids see in us. And that is just that they see us being struck by spiritual realities. I think a lot Mm -hmm. of times we, we go through life and, you know, it's very materialistic, very one thing to the next. I think our kids need to see us being struck by the liturgy, by, by prayer, by scripture, by corporal works of mercy. For me, this, this just happened on Good Friday a couple of weeks ago. We're, we're in the Good Friday liturgy, and I'm, it's just me and my five-year-old. And uh, during the solemn intercessions, that's the big, let us kneel, let us stand. <laughs> I, I was really overcome with emotion, and I started to tear up just at how beautiful that the church has is, is got these prayers, and, and mm. these intercessions are being made all around the world for these beautiful things. And I started to cry. And my daughter, Zelly, looked at me and said, Dad, why are you crying? This is, this is like, I thought church is a good thing. And my initial reaction was to like wipe the tears away and be like, sweetheart, be quiet, pay attention. But to actually like lean in and say, no, I am struck by how much Jesus loves us. Mm. Like this isn't just a, hey, we come and we check the box. Like this Mm -hmm. is striking me. And so literally for the next three days, Zelly kept telling people, my dad was crying during mass. (laughs) And I was like, Zelly, you don't need to go that far. Um, But I think our kids need to see us being struck by spiritual things. There's, there's a lot of research behind this too. Christian Smith, Notre Dame, a lot of the, a lot of the statistics are kind of like you were pointing to earlier, Steve, about fathers and their kids staying Catholic is do dads have spiritual conversations with their kids? Are we, to your point, Dom, you guys have this, we talk about our highs every night with your wife do we do that with our kids hey what was good at school today yep. what was bad at school today where How did you, you see doing? god today yeah, right exactly. like bring yeah love it one one for the guys out there that are trying to figure out how to affirm your children habitually one idea that 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 i've done is every night when i bless them we ask them a couple of things we pray but then i always say at the end i love being your daddy and i kiss them right just i want them to know no matter what i love that i'm their dad and I get that blessing. Mm-hmm. And it's, it was in that, so you mentioned crying from your kids. We had, um, we've had a few miscarriages, though the one that was furthest along, we, we actually had part of the body of our child to bury. The Archdiocese does this for miscarried um, children. They bury, they do a ceremony for you for free, and it's beautiful. And as, the, as I was, they gave us a chance to sprinkle the little caskets with holy water. And I had that moment in my mind, mm-hmm. like, I'll never be able to bless my kid this physically, like this is the only time mm. I can bless them because thinking every night, right? And I broke down sobbing. I was just one of those moments you're like, what just happened to me? Mm-hmm. Like didn't expect it. And my kids are just like looking at me and like, daddy, you were crying and stuff. But it's like, I'm glad they saw that as yeah. much as I didn't want to do that and didn't expect to do that. To your point, Brock, like hopefully they, they saw something good because I was crying about something that was significant and important. Yep. But. Mm-hmm. I've got one pro tip that I'd add for, it helps with, getting your kids to stay in bed. And then also when you have a big family, it can be hard to spend individual time with them. So we picked this up from one of the couples that we know. They call it tuck-in time. And every night you pick one of the kids and they get 10 minutes with mom and dad. All the other kids go down to bed and then you spend 10 minutes just asking them about their day. And they talk about whatever they want to talk about. You ask them about your day. These questions. What were your, yeah, what was it. the best part of your day? What was the tough mm-hmm. part of your day? And they love it. And the other kids stay in bed because they know if they get out of bed, they lose a minute of their tuck-in time. <laughs> and so it's just, it's kind of like twofold. But also when you have a big family, it can be hard to get specific right. one-on-one time with your kids. And even 10 minutes means so much to mm-hmm. them. I love it. That's a great idea. Dom, thanks for joining us today. Guys, I've learned so much, so many nuggets I'm going to take back uh, home tonight to my family. So thanks for sharing. Thanks for being real. Thanks for being vulnerable. That's it for today, guys. We'll see you next time on the Man Catholic Podcast. God bless. (laughs) 